Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. AM 1060 as always online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Friday. It's June 23rd. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Guess what? It's also a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. So we'll have a $100 gift certificate available to you at some point during today's show. But let's get things started here with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. And the news uh, are Chris Paul and the Warriors a good fit? Yes remains in the lead here at 67% of the vote. No trailing at 33%. The interesting thing, at least to me, about this trade, you know, I think a lot of uh, you know, certainly I anticipated and others anticipated that he'd end up in Los Angeles, uh, but I don't think he's a starter for the Warriors. And uh, you know, I looked it up, and he has never had a game in his career where he didn't start. That is correct, uh, it, it, um, which is also kind of amazing because he's had such a long career as well. So even even young Chris Paul was getting the start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. So I, I don't think that's going to be the case now. I don't think they're going to go three-guard three offense, even though, I guess I, mean, I don't want to give away my complete answer here, but I can see I foresee a situation where he, Clay, and Steph really worked well together. We will answer this question in totality around 11.30 today. You can still cast your vote, kdos1060.com. We'll also uh, have Sean Devaney's perspective on all things NBA, NBA draft, trades, etc. We'll catch up with Sean Devaney from heavy.com around 10.15 today. Let's get into the Twitter poll question at kdosam1060. Bob had a great conversation with Brady Klopfer of the McCovey Chronicles. If you missed any of that conversation, you can always podcast over at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app talking about those san francisco giants so are the san francisco giants playoff bound in 2023 no leads the way though 55.6 percent of the vote yes 44.4 percent i could understand that and i can also understand i think there is some uh hesitation now because uh certainly yeah, they played a four-game series here against the Diamondbacks the uh, first you know, week, uh, weekend of May, the first full weekend of May. The They played a four-game series on the Thursday night. The Giants won. Then the Diamondbacks won the next three games. Since then, the Giants have been really good, not just the 10-game winning streak. You know, the Giants in their last 36 games have won 25 of those, and that started with that after they lost that series here. And, uh, you know, they have uh, you know, we got t- tremendous contributions, I think, unexpected in most cases from rookies. And uh, they've overcome some really bad defense uh, to actually been really good so far. 
We'll answer that question as well around 1130. As I mentioned, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits Friday. Here are your weekend specials. Lean ground beef, 10 to 1 frozen packages at $10 off. Prime pork country style ribs at $3.99 a pound. And jumbo party style fresh chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. Visit our friends over at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. Or also check them out at vonhansensmeats.net. Let's try to figure things out, the finalization of this Suns and Wizards trade, what it means, then also what the Wizards were able to do. Uh, So the Wizards sent Bradley Beal, Isaiah Todd, and Jordan Goodwin to the Suns for Chris Paul and Landry Shamit. That's the player portion of this. Then when it comes to the picks, the Suns are sending second-round picks in 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, and 2030. Then there is a first-round pick swaps for the years 2024, 2026, 2028, and 2030. I don't want to think about how old I will be in 2030. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just hoping I'm still around in 2030. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. They did not include yesterday's pick. They did pick 52nd, even though... ESPN reported at the time that this that trade was going to the Wizards, and I don't know if that was a Woj thing or whether it was just some miscommunication or both, but that pick is actually they made the pick. Uh, Kamara, the kid that played for Dayton this past year, not bad. Uh, good numbers, 13.9, 8.6 rebounds, shot 36% behind the arc of the college arc, which is closer than the NBA arc. Uh, he's played at Georgia for a couple of years. I, quite frankly, didn't really remember much about him because Dayton was one of the most uh, disappointing teams in college basketball last year. They made a run uh, to uh, you know, maybe get, get into the NCAA tournament towards the end of the regular season, so I watched a little Dayton at the end of the year. They had a really good big guy who was not eligible for this year's draft. He's going to, boy, I guess he could have been eligible. He could have entered, but he didn't. Uh, but you know, I didn't remember this guy at all. But he was okay, and uh, uh, so we'll see. But uh, that's who the Suns got yesterday, and that's like their last draft pick until like the end of time. So the Wizards didn't stay put uh, with Chris Paul, and they were able to find a trade partner in the Golden State Warriors. So the Wizards are sending CP3 to the Warriors. The Warriors are sending back Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, a protected first-round pick in 2030, and a second-rounder in 2027. Initially here, does this change your perception of what the Wizards were able to get in return for trading with the Suns. I know they're two separate trades, but being able to then flip CP3, does it change your perception on whether or not this was good or bad for the Wizards? Um, it might be good, but it doesn't change my perception. I think they're, they're one of the worst teams in the NBA and will be for a while. You know, I also think, and I'll ask Sean this in the next segment, um, that you know, they just the Warriors had to get Poole out of there if they want to keep Draymond. Yeah. That's the bottom line here. It, it certainly seems to suggest that Draymond has won this fight, uh, but then also money-wise. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it also then seems to suggest money-wise they absolutely had to do this in order to clear up some space. Uh, in addition to maybe there's some frustration team and coaching-wise with shot selection from Jordan Poole. 
totally agree with that. He's a really dynamic. He gets to the basket as well as any player in the league off the bounce. I'm not joking. He reminds me of, in that phase only, not the passer, but he reminds me of Derrick Rose, who is the first guy I think of that you know he could get to the basket no matter how strange you thought he might. You know, how's he going to get there? And he got to the rim pretty much whenever he wanted. Unfortunately, Rose was injured you know, pretty early in his career. But before that happened, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that just didn't have – he had some speed, but not blazing speed. But Poole, he really can do that. And uh, unfortunately for the Warriors, uh, in, at least last year, in my opinion – he also took a lot of really bad jump shots and kind of fell in love with the three and didn't use his best skill often enough and get to the basket. Um, does this also seemingly suggest that the Warriors really feel like there is still a window of opportunity for for them to be a championship contender and that yeah. it's a veteran piece away, not a young player piece away? Yeah, and I think they probably thought that even before this. I mean, if you're going to bring back Draymond, obviously, you know, it seems strange to say this, but it's not like, you know, Clay and, you know, and, you know Steph Curry are getting any younger. So uh, you know, I think that's just kind of adds to what they were already thinking. It's kind of like the, the last rodeo, the last run, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, you know the last dance, I think that's been used, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but whatever you want to call it, I think that uh, some people thought that was it for last year with the Warriors. But uh, it appears uh, you know, even if you know, the, the Draymond thing, if he's coming back, they're going to give it another run no matter whether Chris Paul's there or not. Um, the other thing, without kind of giving away our answers here to the poll question that we'll answer later on in the show, did it sort of seem odd to you or does it work in your mind that CP3 has really slowed the pace down um, yeah. and the Warriors style of play is to speed up? They play with a lot of tempo. They do, but they're also tremendous in the half court. And that a lot, to, you know, I, I talk about Draymond, uh, in a negative sense, uh, you know, more than occasionally, just because of you know some of the uh, theatrics and you know the technical fouls, etc. But he is a tremendous screener, and you know Curry and and also Thompson are tremendous moving without the basketball. That's the area where I think this could really work out. You know, I don't think that Chris Paul is going to be a starter, as I mentioned, but he plays like 25 minutes a game. Uh, and sets up, you know, you know, Draymond setting picks, and you know, Curry and Thompson are running around. Uh, I could see that work. Yeah, working uh, pretty well. We've certainly seen, you know, Chris Paul have games where he's still shooting the ball really well. Other games where the shot has kind of gone away from him here in in this last year. But sir, you can't you can't say his vision. You can't say how he works the pick and roll. That's still at a at a premium level. Yeah, I agree with that, even though I don't know how much a pick-and-roll is going to come into play here. But he is still a tremendous passer. The other thing, too, defense. Uh, we've seen some decline in defense with, with Chris Paul here, and that was maybe an area of concern for the Warriors. Their defensive numbers last year were pretty poor. They were, um, especially on the perimeter. Um, yeah, I think Steph was their best perimeter defender last year. Uh, yeah, Thompson 
was you know, arguably the best perimeter defender, not necessarily you know, you know be, keeping guys out of the paint and so forth, but as a tremendous perimeter three-point jump shot defender. And I think that's the area where since the injuries and since he's come back from those injuries, his game has declined the most. We will get the latest around the trades, what potentially could be left move-wise for the Phoenix Suns with Sean Devaney of Heavy.com on the other side of the break. It is a Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The $100 gift certificate still up for grabs. The weekend specials, lean ground beef, 10 to 1 frozen packages at $10 off. Prime pork country style ribs at $3.99 a pound. And the jumbo party style chicken wings at $4.99 a pound. Visit them at 2390 North Alma School in Chandler. VonHansen'sMeats.net. NBA conversation continues. Sean Devaney of Heavy.com is coming up next right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Your morning drive just got a little better. The Dan Patrick Show is live weekday morning starting at 6 exclusively on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back. It is the Extra Point on this Friday, June 23rd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Plenty happening with the Phoenix Suns, other trades around the NBA. So for some perspective and what we can expect moving forward, Sean Devaney of Heavy.com is on the KDOS hotline. Sean, Bob, and Kayla, thanks for the time today. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing fantastic. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, there's plenty to unpack here, whether it be the NBA draft night last night, trades around the league. Let's start with the Phoenix Suns. They haven't been shy about making some moves here. They moved on from Chris Paul and Landry Shamit. In return, received Bradley Beal, Isaiah Todd, and Jordan Goodwin. The main acquisition, of course, being Beal on the court. How does Beal fit in with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and can those three provide enough offense to erase some of the defensive deficiencies? Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a challenge. Um, obviously, just keeping those guys on the court at all is going to be a challenge because Kevin Durant will be 35 years old, and, of course, Bradley Beal's had uh, – he'll turn 30 uh, uh, next week, and, and he's had a lot of trouble staying healthy. So that's number one is just getting them on the floor and then – even when they're on the floor, they're going to have to figure out, uh, okay, you know, what's the pecking order here? Uh, Durant's obviously uh, probably the best pure scorer in the league right now. Uh, Devin Booker's not far behind him. Uh, and, you know, Bradley Beal's just a couple years removed uh, from, from a scoring championship. So, uh, you know, you've got three guys who can score quite a bit. Who's going to sacrifice? Uh, you know, Beal's probably the best playmaker of that group, so uh, I could see him, you know, operating a little bit more as a point guard and, and averaging seven, eight assists. Uh, all three of them are pretty good passers, though, so that's going to be the real key is who's going to sacrifice, uh, you, you know, where are the assists going to come from uh, and, uh, uh, and, and you know, who's going to be willing to, uh, you know, maybe score 18, 19 points rather than uh, the 26, 27 that they're used to. Do they need to trade DeAndre Ayton to get a bench? Um, and what could they get for Ayton at this point? Obviously, they'd have to match up some salaries, which is that might yeah. be an obstacle in itself. 
Yeah, and that's uh, they almost have to. Um, you know, there's been some talk that well, maybe they won't, and maybe they'll hold on to him. And Frank Vogel's right. All that, uh, from what I'm told, uh, is most likely a smokescreen. Uh, you know, trying to. Uh, uh, you don't want to seem too desperate when, when you're making a trade. Uh, and so saying, well, we'll be happy to hang on to the guy uh, is a good way to kind of reduce the uh, desperation factor. But, uh, you know, when you look at what else they've got, it's not just the bench. They've got to fill out the rest of their starting five. You know, they need a defensive-minded center, um, you know, somebody uh, uh, who can uh, do some rim protection for them. Uh, and they probably need, uh, you know, a shooter, uh, a three and D kind of guy. That's 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 really uh, uh, would be the ideal sort of player. Uh, you know, you think of Contavious Caldwell Pope and the role that he played for Denver. They need that kind of guy. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what they're looking for. Um, and and uh, again, that's not just the bench. That's also the starting five. So they they, they probably need to get at least two players, maybe three uh, for DeAndre Ayton. They're not going to get uh, a player of uh, the same caliber talent wise. Uh, but that's not really what they need at this point. They just need uh, guys who can fill some roles. With that in mind, are there any teams that this sort of matches up for what the Suns need? And w- what sort of interest is there as well for DeAndre Ayton around the league? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, the, the, from what I've been told, that uh, this could be something that happens sort of after the first wave of free agency uh, when you get some teams that kind of look at where they are and, uh, and have to reevaluate and, and maybe don't want DeAndre Ayton so much right now, but, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks if uh, things don't go well or trade falls through and, uh, you know, then that, 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 then it might be a, a matter of changing uh, uh, their tune. You know, certainly Portland is one that comes to mind. Um, you know, that's something that, uh, uh, you know, as, uh, as the players just figure out what they're going to do with Damian Lillard, uh, you know, if, if they go into a full rebuild, maybe they get some uh, – uh, so, some more veteran players that they can then turn around and trade uh, to Phoenix, maybe a three-team trade, something like that. Uh, but but all that is 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 going to take some time. Uh, so I, I, from what I understand, the, the the Suns are still pretty optimistic they can trade DeAndre Ayton. They still like to trade DeAndre Ayton, uh, but it's probably not. It's probably going to be later rather than sooner. All right, Chris Paul uh, on to Golden State. Do you think that's a good fit? And did Jordan? Jordan Poole have to go if they want to keep Draymond. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. Uh, and, you know, this new CBA, I think there's there's been some, uh, up until the last uh, week or so, uh, it's been sort of underestimated just how much teams are going to have to scramble uh, to avoid what they're calling the, uh, the, the, the second apron, uh, you know, which is really, really restrictive in terms of what you can do uh, uh, adding players. So, uh, that, that's where the Warriors were if they wanted to keep Draymond Green. Uh, and uh, th- their hope was that he was going to opt in. Uh, and, and with just one year on the contract, you know, maybe he could be a trade candidate. Uh, but now, you know, they'd they, they be at risk of losing him for nothing. They don't want to do that. So, uh, so yeah, they've got to try to keep him. Uh, so they had to move uh, Jordan Poole, who's got the, the new four-year, $130 million contract. Uh, and I, I think Chris Paul is a terrible fit. You know, obviously they like to play up tempo. They like to move the ball. Uh, Chris Paul is more of a ball stopper, plays in the half court. Uh, but uh, the one thing that Chris Paul does have going for him is that his contract is not guaranteed for next year. So, uh, so the Warriors can give this uh, uh, a one-year chance and then uh, uh, and then uh, dump his contract after that uh, if it doesn't work out. And like I say, that's that's really the name of the game at this point is. Uh, 
uh, you know, being able to maintain some, some salary flexibility. Sean Devaney with Heavy.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. You know, you brought up there the luxury tax and apron two and just all of the restrictive things that come along with it. It's not just how much money uh, you're going to be paying for this luxury tax. It's the restrictive nature of it. Uh, so when you look at this and teams are kind of barreling toward it, the Warriors making some moves to try to get under it, the Suns maybe doing the opposite here, uh, is it worth it uh, if you don't win a championship in the next year or two to then have so much struggle ahead of you to rebuild with all your picks gone uh, and all of the ramifications with luxury tax apron two on the horizon? Yeah, that's 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 the real thing is you're not going to be able to just go out and sign free agents, even the mid-level guys, you know, even the guys that you can get for, uh, you know, six, seven million bucks. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. You're not going to be able to use trade exceptions. You're not going to be able to, uh, you know, make a trade that, 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 that where you bring back more salary than you send out. You know, there's so many restrictions uh, that it's going to get tricky. Uh, and certainly, uh, you know, it, it helps to have picks available to, uh, you know, if you need to make a, uh, a move to give yourself some flex- flexibility, it helps to have picks uh, uh, as a way to, uh, to ensure that you can do that. Um, and, and, you know, the way that the Suns are right now, they do not control any of their picks between now and 2031. You know, they, they traded all their second-round picks, uh, mostly to Washington. There's one in there to, uh, uh, to Oklahoma City. Uh, and then uh, the first-rounders all belong to uh, uh, Brooklyn and or uh, Washington and swaps. So, uh, you know, it's, it's now through 2030, they don't have control of any of their picks. That's a pretty dangerous place to be. I mean, you've got to win. You've got basically a two-year window now where if you don't win a championship, uh, it's going to look real bad real fast. You mentioned the Blazers. They only won 33 games last year. You know, Lillard, you know, I, I don't know what to pay attention with Lillard. It seems like he says something different every 20 minutes. But, yeah, he seemed like he wanted to have some veteran help added and maybe trade that third pick. Instead, they don't do that. They actually draft Scoot Henderson point guard Lillard point guard should the Blazers trade Lillard yeah I, I mean they're they're basically right now they're sort of locked into a staring contest with Damian Lillard where they want Lillard to come to them and say hey look let's uh let's move on can you find a place to trade me let's let's work together on this uh and and he's at a position where he's not going to do that you know he wants them hey look you trade you trade me if that's what you're going to do uh, and uh, so, so neither side is blinking right now, but they've only got a few days uh, to kind of work something out here, and, and, and I think they will. I think they have to. Portland uh, tried to find, and you can question maybe how hard they really tried to find uh, somebody who could come in uh, if they traded that number three pick uh, and help Damian Lillard right away. But, you know, think about it. Like, who are they going to get who's, who's you know, obviously with T.J. McCollum, they were an okay team. They were a 47-48 win team. You know, maybe had a chance to win a round in the playoffs. Uh, you know, who's better than C.J. McCollum that they were going to get? Uh, and, and who's that much better that was going to make a big – there really wasn't anybody. They, and they knew that. Uh, so, yeah, they, they poked around to see what might be out there uh, for that number three pick, packaging it with Anthony Simon. Uh, but, but they never came close to actually doing anything. So, uh, you know, knowing that, uh, they know they've got to move on from Damian Lillard. It's just a matter of whether it gets ugly or if everybody stays civil about it. 
Sean Devaney, Heavy.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Chris stops Porzingis. He's off to the Celtics. Marcus Smart off to the Grizzlies. Tyus Jones to the Wizards. Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala also off to the Wizards. First up in regards to Porzingis, how will he help the Celtics and what seemingly did the Celtics learn from their playoff experience that led them to make this change? Well, I think they learned that, A, you can't rely on Rob Williams. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that that was the big disappointment there was that, uh, you know, they were very careful with him after he had the knee surgery in September, uh, and he just wasn't healthy, and, and, and he just wasn't the same, and uh, and they couldn't really find uh, a good rhythm for him. Um, and, and, you know, they were really counting on him. Al Horford's going to be 37, uh, and, and he was terrible. He had a decent regular season. It was really bad in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that they could look at that and say, uh, you know, we need an upgrade here. Uh, you know, Porzingis is a guy who um, hasn't been healthy since he had the ACL in, in 2018, uh, but he's gradually gotten a little bit better with health as he's gone on. I think he played 65 or 67 games last year, uh, and that would be all right with the Celtics. He played 65 games and he's okay for the playoffs. Uh, Porzingis played very, very well uh, when, when, when he was healthy. He just wasn't healthy enough. And, uh, and, 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 and that was the big problem. Uh, but, you know, if, if he can just give them that, those 60 to 65 games, they'll be fine with that. And they'll have a guy who can stretch the floor, uh, play the four, play the five, be a pretty good defensive presence. Uh, that's really what they figure they need. And they have way too many guards, so they had to do something. Yeah, sticking with the Celtics, you know, Marcus Smart, not there anymore, kind of the heart of the team. Uh, are they going to miss that? And is Malcolm Brogdon so injured that they can't even trade him now? Yeah, that was that was a real uh, tough blow for them. You know, they they really wanted to trade uh, Brogdon. That was the original plan. Uh, once the Clippers kind of fell through on that, the Celtics were up against the deadline because uh, Porzingis had to opt in for all this to happen. And uh, you know, it always amazes me, Bob, that that you know you can have all spring to figure this stuff out and then somehow you wait until the last uh, uh, until moments before the deadline to yeah. make this stuff happen. Yeah. I was like, well, you had plenty of time to do this earlier, but uh, but anyway, so they they were operating under that deadline and uh, and that wasn't going to happen, so uh, so they, they had to pivot to Marcus Smart. Look, if, if Brogdon is too injured for the Clippers to take him on, the Clippers of all teams uh, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, then, then nobody else was going to take him. Uh, and they, they knew they wouldn't get good value for Derek White. So the only option left was, was Marcus Smart. And uh, it's a good move for Memphis. And uh, it's, it's definitely a tough blow for the Celtics. But like I said, they really saw just a huge hole in their front court that they had to fill. Sticking there with the Clippers here, so was it? Was there anything to it, or was that just kind of speculating that Chris Paul has ties to L.A., played for the Clippers before, that that would be a natural fit? Now he's with Golden State. They were in in the talks for Malcolm Brogdon. That doesn't happen because of injury. So kind of where are the Clippers in terms of things that they want to accomplish this offseason? Yeah, you know, point guard has been a glaring hole for them, you know, even in the best of times. Uh, since they traded Chris Paul, um, you know, they, they really haven't had uh, a reliable answer there. Obviously, they tried John Wall last year, and that didn't work, and it wound up going to Russell Westbrook, and, and that was okay, but, but certainly not, uh, not an end-all, be-all. Uh, Reggie Jackson before that. Uh, you know, so, so point guard's always been uh, uh, an issue for, for, uh, uh, for the Clippers. 
Um, and, and, and it's still going to be that way. So, yeah, they're, they're, they have considered trading uh, Paul George. If they did, then presumably there'd be a, 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 a point guard coming back in that. They do have some pretty tradable assets. Uh, so that, that, that's probably not over in terms of uh, uh, what they're looking at and what, what, what possible moves might be out there. Last up for me, uh, the Pelicans. I'm always intrigued. Um, you know, I thought they added some pretty good. Thought they added some pretty good talent last night. But Zion, is there a market for him uh, between the injuries in his contract, or am I just kind of wasting our time by asking about this? No. Well, I mean, that, that's the question for them is that they've they've tried to drum up a market for him, uh, and it hasn't been there. Not in the strength that they'd like to. Um, you know, there, other teams are looking at it like, okay, we'll take Zion Williamson, you give us some picks. And uh, the Pelicans are looking at it like, hey, we've got the, the former number one pick here, you give us some picks, you know, so it's all about the valuation there. And one of the factors they've got away is uh, just letting Zion come back on the floor and play and trade him when he rebuilds some value. That, that his value is right now is so low that it doesn't make much sense to uh, – uh, to uh, to try to trade them now, so that's that's sort of where they are right now. Is deciding if they can get an offer uh, where they're getting something in return, then they'll do it. Uh, but if teams are asking uh, for for assets to, to be tied with Zion just to get out of this contract, they don't want to do that at this point. Um, and, and, and so that's something they're going to have to weigh. Before we let you go here, Sean, we'll get in an NBA draft question, a broad question for you. Did anything surprise you in yesterday's NBA draft? You know, certainly the Cam Whitmore drop, you know, he was projected as high as number five. There was some talk about uh, some health issues. And, and uh, you know, it, it's funny, whenever that, that kind of thing pops up, um, you know, health might in fact be an issue during a player's career. But usually you get, you wind up with still a pretty good player when, you know, I think of Michael Porter Jr. Uh, is, uh, is the obvious mm-hmm. one. Obviously, he is, he's not been 100% healthy, but he had a huge drop. That's how Denver got him to begin with. Uh, and uh, and I don't think they regret using that pick uh, on him. He, you know that 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 obviously health is still a concern, but but he's a good example of a guy who who dropped because of uh, you know a health red flag, and uh, and I think a lot of teams who who passed on him uh, because of that uh, really regret it now. Sean, as always, greatly appreciate you taking time with us. We enjoy it, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Once again, he is Sean Devaney there with Heavy.com and certainly has a lot of uh, information there at the top of the interview in regards to the Suns and what he thinks is available for them left to do to try to fill out the roster, try to get some depth, uh, and he thinks that DeAndre Ayton would be on the move. I don't think they have any choice. Um, If they just don't have any bench or... You know, I'm curious whether even if they move Aiton for three guys or whatever, what kind of bench they would even have then. It's interesting. I thought I saw something that um, the Hawks have a mandate to get underneath a certain threshold. So queue up the John Collins, queue up the Clint Capella. I don't know if the Suns would be involved in any of that or if the, the asking price in return just doesn't doesn't match up if it requires them to get below a certain threshold so interesting on that front i actually like both those players so that would be good the dan patrick show weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m this is just uh something i like to call breakfast with big name guests timely sports information and more on ktus am 1060 
1042 right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. If you'd like to join the conversation, you certainly can. 602-260-1060. Give us a call. 602-260-1060. And thanks to Sean Devaney of Heavy.com for taking some time joining us in the previous segment. If you missed any of that really uh, great conversation, you can podcast over at KDOS1060.com and KDOS1060. Uh, app powered by Superbook Sports. Let's get into a little bit about the NBA draft from last night here. Uh, We'll just go through one through five here quickly and some other notes that uh, caught our attention. So to absolutely no surprise, Victor Wembemyana went number one overall to the Spurs this morning. And I'm sure the odds have changed dramatically since I did this this morning. He was already minus 160 to win rookie of the year. (laughs) Okay. Who was second? Do you remember? Uh, yes, and it was not who you thought it would be. It was Chet Holmgren, actually. Okay. Because oh, I guess right. they're counting him, yeah, as a rookie. That's right. Okay. That that's interesting. Okay. So yeah. Who was third? <laughs> <laughs> now you're really making me uh, think. No, back. you can look. You can look that up. You look that up in a minute because I'm going to ramble here for a couple All seconds right. once we get to just some random stuff. Perfect. Uh, Brandon Miller, he went number two overall to the Hornets. The conversation there yesterday, speculation, was it Brandon? Was it Scoot? Well, the Hornets made their decision in Brandon Miller. Scoot then didn't have to wait long. He went number three. Let's call a timeout here real fast. The Charlotte fans at their draft party were irate that they took Brandon Miller and they booed as loud as you can possibly boo. I heard a little soundbite about that. They're pissed. (laughs) <laughs> Not great. Not a great start for the new ownership group. Uh, Scoot Henderson, number three overall to the Trailblazers. Amen Thompson, number four overall to the Rockets. His twin, Osser Thompson, number five overall to the Pistons. Yeah, I don't have much to offer on those guys since I've never seen any of them play. <laughs> then when, for me, uh, I was monitoring when the first Pac-12 player would go, and to no surprise, it was Jaime Jaquez. Uh, He went to the Heat. Do you like this fit for Jaquez? Perfect. Um, In fact, uh, yesterday we talked about this very possibility uh, that that would be a great fit for him. He's a per, you know he's a a professional player. Even when he was at UCLA, he just knows how to play. He plays his ass off. Perfect for Miami. Absolutely perfect. You know, I thought it was funny because I had asked you yesterday, you know, how important it is for an NFL player to get drafted by a particular team. And maybe also more so with the quarterback position, where you go kind of really starts to shape your success. And it got me thinking here mainly about Hawkes because of this. Maybe it's just because it's been beat into my head so much from the playoffs about this heat culture and their player mm-hmm. development and, and, and things of that sort that Hawkes seemed to fit so nicely into this in terms of he's not going to be the most athletic player. He's not going to wow you with everything, but certainly he's going to understand understand his role and give you everything he has within that role, which is kind of seemingly how the heat play. Correct. I I agree uh, with, uh, you know, he's going to fit in, but I don't think there's any player development needed here. He's a really good player. 
Next up for the Pac-12, the Hawks took uh, Muhammad Gouye from WSU at number 39, and then the Hornets took Amari Bailey, Hawkes' UCLA team in at number 41. So in total, three Pac-12 players drafted. Actually, there there is uh, one more later. But, oh. uh, yeah, Muhammad Gay going to Boston seems to be a very odd fit, but you know, Sean just mentioned that it seems like Boston's completely – out on the Robert Williams thing or close to it because you just can't stay healthy. Gay's a really good player at Washington, at Washington State, excuse me. So, that, yeah, I'm not surprised he got drafted. I'm not surprised at all he got drafted. Uh, Amari Bailey to Charlotte. That, that I think that Bailey's going to be a really good NBA player. He's one of the UCLA guys and, unfortunately, he was injured last year. He was injured at the start of the season. And, uh, sure, his stock went up during the season once he was healthy. And then Jordan Clark, uh, Jalen Clark, excuse me, uh, from UCLA went to Minnesota at number 53. I've mentioned this many times last year during the college basketball season. He was, Clark was the best defensive player in college basketball last year. Unfortunately for him, he tore his Achilles the final week of the regular season against ASU. Uh, and, uh, he would have been a first-round pick. I can't imagine any scenario that he would not have been a first-round pick before he had the injury. Uh, then you have here with the Suns, their pick at number 52, Tumani Camara from Dayton. Sam Vecini said about Camara pre-draft, it's easy to sell yourself on a six-foot-seven player without shoes who has a seven-foot wingspan and plays solid defense. In the NBA today, there might be no easier player type to sell yourself on. Camara is certainly worth a two-way flyer given his frame, defense, and potential to shoot it. Uh, so I've seen post-draft Camara continually praised for his defense and that's certainly an area of emphasis the Suns need to get on the floor obviously as a rookie being drafted number 52 let's see if he can get on the floor I can't imagine he's a contributor next season having watched Dayton some at the end of last season I had uh, I remember him now but I had to look him up um so like I said I just cannot imagine he helps them next season uh, looking at the odds here for Rookie of the Year, things have changed. So Victor Wembenyama minus one sixty, then Scoot at plus four hundred, and then Chet at plus seven hundred. Okay, well, good luck. Um, <laughs> so I'm no interested. In, I've never bet on a Rookie of the Year thing, but I'm just going to use it kind of. It's amazing to me that you know, you know, seconds after the draft is over, that we get letter grades on everybody and every team and every player. Good luck. You know, you know, how stupid are you going to look in like three or four years when you go through that again and just feel, what, the, what was I thinking? Uh, I, would, I would be, you know, if somebody forced me to do that, actually, I, was at a, I had a job once where I was actually forced to do those letter grades. Then I felt stupid while I was doing it and even dumber two or three years later. So we'll see what happens. Just a couple of other quick notes about the draft. I, I mentioned yesterday I wasn't thrilled about Indiana. I liked their draft, though. Uh, uh, Jarris Walker, I mentioned several times here in the last couple of weeks, I thought was the most improved player in college basketball during last season from the start of his freshman year to the end of his freshman year at Houston. I think that's a, I think he would have been, in, I would have been in favor of any, any team except for San Antonio <laughs> selecting him. He's really good. Uh, and he's, uh, like I mentioned, he improved during his freshman season. 
certainly understands how to play the game and plays defense because he played with Calvin Sampson or for him. Not surprised. You know, I'm glad that you know, Sean mentioned Whitmore in the last segment and mentioned the injury thing. I was completely stunned that none of the experts on ESPN, who actually I think understand you know, college bas- basketball well in the Billis uh, situation, and J.J. Redick, Prove that he doesn't just doesn't, uh, just doesn't watch the NBA, but you know there was it was widely reported before the draft that Whitmore had some medical issues and had been red flagged by some teams, and so why was it such a maybe dropping to twenty? That was a surprise, but after I heard on NBA TV yesterday afternoon during their three-hour draft preview that you know Whitmore had been red flagged by several teams. You know, how does the ESPN not know about that? They never mentioned it once at any point. So there's that. Jordan Hawkins, I think, is a tremendous fit uh, for the Pelicans. My team, my new team, I guess the Pelicans. Uh, they would really be my new team if they get rid of Zion somehow. But anyway, they could make a shot from the outside last year. He's a tremendous uh, creator uh, of you know three-point shots in the uh, – in college, and he shot the ball beyond, beyond the three-point line several times in the NBA, or excuse me, the uh, college level, so I think that will transfer into the NBA. Uh, Jalen Pickett, uh, incredible basketball IQ. I think he's a perfect fit. I think he will immediately contribute for the Nuggets next season. That uh, As soon as I saw that pick, I went, this is the most, this is like the Spurs used to do. They used to get these guys that perfectly fit into their system, and just made total sense. A couple other quick things here. Uh, Kamani Bates, he was a lottery pick when he came out of high school. He was considered the best player in the country when he was in high school. Went to Memphis, had all kinds of issues on and off the floor. Ended up in Eastern Washington, excuse me, Eastern Michigan. Uh, he ends up going to the Cavaliers, the 49th pick. That's how he's gone from, you know, surefire lottery pick out of high school to two years later, the 49th pick of the draft. But the Cavaliers need somebody that can score. Uh, so that actually might it might work out pretty well. So we'll see how that goes. But those are just some random stuff. No Drew Timmy, no Shibway, no Sonogo, no Azuas Tabellos. That's the third time in five years that no U of A player has been drafted. That just shows you how poor a job that Sean Miller did recruiting towards the end of his U of A days. And Trace Jackson Davis almost didn't get drafted. He was the next to last pick to the Warriors. That's a perfect fit for him. I wouldn't be surprised if Trace Jackson Davis at pick 57 is a contributing player for the Warriors as early as next season. Uh, Tabellis signing a two-way deal with the 76ers. Sonogo two-way contract with the Bulls. Uh, Drew Timmy on an Exhibit 10 deal with the Bucks. Some of the notable undrafted. I don't even know. I don't even know what the hell that is. Neither do I. I was hoping you did. Uh, we'll wrap up our one number one next. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Travelers Championship on the PGA Tour underway. A couple of things to note from yesterday's opening round. Rory McIlroy hit a hole in one. 
And can you believe this? I actually can't. Everybody, everybody hits a hole in one of these last two weeks, right? Yeah, apparently. It's uh, just <laughs> flying off like hotcakes. But Rory McIlroy, his hole-in-one yesterday, ended up being his first ever career hole-in-one in a PGA Tour event. He's been on tour for like 15 years. That's That's... <laughs> Just tells you how hard hole-in-ones actually are. He ends up going on to shoot two under par 68. Uh, He responds nicely today by shooting six under par that included a double bogey in his round as well. So now he's eight under for the tournament in a tie for eighth. The other storyline from yesterday is Denny McCarthy. We were on 59 watch for a while with Denny. He ended up birdieing his last hole to shoot 10 under par 60. He follows that up today this morning with a 65 he's leading the golf tournament at 15 under par uh and eric cole is sitting in second place at 11 under par he shot 64 65 so guys are going going low and as i said though this is a tournament that just certainly brings out an an array of different options and ways to get it in the hole you don't have to be a long hitter you don't have to be an accurate hitter uh there's definitely ways for you uh to get yourself in the mix for the golf tournament so when it comes to our guys that we're monitoring keegan bradley shot 62 yesterday so far he's one under par on his round today through five holes nine under for the tournament that's good for tied for fifth so Keegan needs to keep playing well. Then you have Tom Kim. He shot six under par today, seven under for the tournament. That's in a tie for 16th. Then Harris English, he is one under par through five holes, two under for the tournament. He's got to make a move because right now the current projected cut line is three under. Players that are sitting outside the cut line would be one John Rom. He shot one over par today, two under for the tournament. He hasn't missed a cut since like 2021 so uh i it's not looking good for him to make the cut this week world number one scotty scheffler he shot uh seven under par yesterday even today that is good for tied for 16th right now so we'll continue to monitor things at the travelers championship we still have the von hansen's meats and spirits 100 gift certificate uh that's coming up in hour number two we also have your phone calls at 11 15 602 260 1060 is the number to join the program so we'll get into hour number two on the other side of the break it is the extra point right here on kdus am 1060 online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos1060 app powered by superbook sports